for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show, we bring you part one of a two-part conversation with one of the most accomplished female journalists in sports, my very first mentor, the great Bonnie Bernstein, who helps us examine the rise and the benefits of esports in our colleges and our culture. It's Friday, April 17th. Well, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us today. we got to start with the fact that you're in Manhattan, one of the hardest places hit by this pandemic so far stateside. So how are you? How are things in the New York that you're seeing? <sighs> I'm doing okay. Thank you for asking. Here's what I will say. There are pockets of New York City and the other four boroughs that are just getting hit really hard. You know, shortage of PPE in hospitals. I think in part because of the dense nature of our population. The fatality rate in New York City is higher than it is in in lots of portions of the country. But I will say this. We got through 9-11, Kate, and we literally rose from the ashes. And I think New Yorkers are strong people. We are resilient people. We are abiding by the social distancing guidelines, wearing masks and doing the things we're supposed to be doing. But we all stick together. And that's what makes me most hopeful about being here in New York City. So thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. And thank you for that wonderful answer. Well, as I told you yesterday during our little pre-pod production meeting slash catch-up session, you yeah. popped into my head because <laughs> I'd gotten I'd gotten a text from one of my best friends and she said, Kate, should I be worried that my basketball-obsessed husband doesn't have live basketball to watch, so he's watching Steph Curry and others play video games on television as the substitute. And I just started cracking up and it made me think of you because you, like Steph, have a traditional sports background. You were a gymnast at Maryland. You've now covered traditional, quote unquote, traditional sports for for over two decades. But you also recently produced a documentary on esports for ESPN, which I imagine has given you some incredible insight into that sporting world as well. So I wondered, you know, what would you have texted back to my friend if you'd been the one to receive that text? Don't worry, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's our reality, Kate, and and there's several of them, I think, when it comes to esports. First and foremost, I think the fact that traditional sports platforms are experimenting with esports speaks to just how much we love sports. If we can't get real basketball and real hockey and real racing and real soccer, well, we're going to try to enjoy the esports version of that. <laughs> and what's interesting is if you look at the gaming landscape, the traditional sports games, whether it's Madden or 2K or MLB The Show, they wane in popularity relative to games like League of Legends and Overwatch and Fortnite and games that are so popular globally. But because traditional sports is shut down, it's providing this amazing platform for all of the traditional sports, esports platforms. And I think that's what we're seeing now. You know, it was interesting when I did the documentary and the story I followed was around UC Irvine. Their League of Legends team was the top team in North America They were going for back-to-back champions, and it was really interesting to come to understand the parallels between traditional sports and gamers. And, you know, we can get into the whole debate. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that (laughs) you're leading me towards the next question. (laughs) How many times have you heard that? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. When you see what it takes to be successful as a gamer, 
it's not altogether unlike what it is to be successful as a traditional athlete. If I said to you, Kate, okay, you got five guys on a team. Each player has his or her own responsibility. They have their own lane to stay in. They have a strength and conditioning coach. They have to, in college, maintain a minimum GPA. Nutrition and hydration are really important for optimizing performance. There's a team psychologist. You have to be coachable. You have to work together as a team. If I told you about those five guys on a team, what would you think I'm talking about? I mean, you're talking about basketball, obviously. I am, but I'm also talking about League of Legends. Fans of traditional sports might poo-poo that. And I'm not saying when you know gamers have strength and conditioning coaches, and a lot of them do at the collegiate level, that you know they're not maxing out bench press or squats or doing deadlifts or anything like that. But if I implored you to bang away on your keyboard for three hours, which is what these guys are doing, you know what's going to be sore? Your forearms, your shoulders, your back, your hips are going to be all out of whack because you're sitting <laughs> yeah. down for three hours. So it's a different type of strength conditioning and it's tailored very much toward esports. So it's been really interesting to see how that sport, if you will, has evolved and all of the debate around whether gamers should or should not be lumped in with traditional athletes. It's kind of like we've talked about, you know, NASCAR drivers or golfers and, and are those guys and gals real athletes? And I would say yes. And having intimate knowledge of esports after producing that documentary, I would actually say yes when it comes to gamers too. Yeah, before I watched your documentary, Bonnie, I know that I would have disagreed with you. But after watching it uh, and learning that, among other things, Cal has an esports team, that wasn't the only thing. But I learned so much, and, and now thanks to that, I completely agree with you. Um, okay, so if these are truly sports, we all know how beneficial playing traditional sports can be. What benefits did you see the student-athletes get from playing esports? This is what I actually thought was one of the most fascinating things that I discovered. So gamers, the most proficient ones, the ones who are most successful on whatever game it is that they're playing, tend to be STEM students, science, tech, engineering, math, or STEAM. I know we get the arts in there now. And so they are heavily recruited by the military and federal agencies and engineering firms and tech firms at a time when tech is just exploding in every single industry. You have a bunch of really, really smart kids who know how to process. Strategic processing is such a huge part of being a successful gamer. And there are so many skill sets that you gain as a gamer that are applicable in the real world, which is the very same conversation we always have about student athletes, particularly ones who have competed at the collegiate level, who have played pro or semi-pro. There's all sorts of research that points to when companies are hiring new employees, the fact that you are a student athlete is on your resume puts you in a better position to be hired because what do we know about sports? It's not just about what you're doing on the field of play. It's all about the skill sets and characteristics you are developing as an athlete, teamwork, overcoming obstacles, accountability, work ethic, time management, all of those things that are going to be so important when it's time for you to go out in the work world, that same conversation is applicable when it comes to gamers. 
Wow, that's fascinating. So, in other words, all the parents... It's fascinating, but you're like, do I agree with you or not? I no, I, I do. <laughs> no, I say that in now, again, after watching the documentary again back this morning. I do, because of all the things you just said. And I also want to pinpoint something you said to me when we were chatting yesterday about how beneficial... Because I asked, because my nephew, who's 11 and plays Fortnite all the time, and his mom is kind of worried because he's not getting outside. He plays basketball as well, but it's something you can't do right now. And you brought up an interesting part about the communication and why they're different than the video games that you and I played growing up. So I'd love to I'd love to hear that again so that everybody listening today can hear it as well. We'll hit on a couple of things that parents tend to worry about and understandably so. There are things like too much screen time and too much exposure to blue light. And those things are understandable, but what I would say to that is everything in moderation. Unfortunately, the United States is still one of the most, if not the most obese countries in the world. So we want our kids to be as active as possible. But I think what a lot of people don't understand is that when you and I were growing up, and yeah, I played video games, I played Space Invaders and Frogger and <laughs> yep. Tetris, Pac-Man, yep. I knew like <laughs> all the patterns for Miss Pac-Man. But there wasn't such a thing as cloud-based gaming then. You were playing with you and whatever friends you had down in your basement, and depending on, you know, how many joysticks you had. And the way so many kids use gaming today, because it you're playing and, and you're gaming in the cloud. So you can be playing against your friends who were at their house down the street. You can be playing against kids in Germany and China and South Korea. And gaming is a platform whereby kids are socializing. Sure, they still do it playing sports or any other activities. But, you know, I had a friend tell me he was picking up his kid from school one day and his son said to his buddy, hey, I'll meet you in Fortnite at eight o'clock. This is where kids congregate. And they're not just playing the game. They are building friendships. And, and gaming truly is a community for the kids who are on the younger end of the millennial spectrum and the Gen Zs, this is part of their socialization process. And I've, to I've spoken to kids who are gamers who have looked at esports as something that truly saved them. They come from a difficult socioeconomic circumstances or different domestic circumstances. They may come from an abusive home or have a single parent and gaming is their escape. Gaming is their security blanket. Gaming is where they go to visit with their friends. Gaming is um, a place where they feel secure and safe. And that's really important. But unless you are part of that community, you know, a lot of parents don't see that and they don't understand how valuable that socialization piece can be in 2020. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to hear you say what you just did, because that was the first time I had heard it and it really resonated with me. So thanks for sharing that. Before we move on, is there anything else that you learned as you dove headfirst into the esports world that the rest of us who are still kind of just starting to dip our toes in should know? I don't think it's going away. Traditional sports platforms are in the process of figuring out, is there crossover audience? And there's some research that points to that, particularly for some reason in, in fighting sports and in racing, there's a really strong uh, crossover demographic between fans of traditional sports in that realm and esports. But as traditional platforms continue to figure out how to build that next generation of audience, there's something to be said for 
going where your audience is. And this is where the Gen Z kids are. They are in the gaming space. And no, you and I might not be able to relate to why anybody would want to sit in front of a computer screen for six hours and watch games. One of the things that turned me on to the space is Twitch is one of the most prevalent streaming platforms across the globe for esports. And I, I saw somebody doing a biz dev PowerPoint on it, and he threw up a slide of Key Arena in Seattle during the Dota International. And it was just wall-to-wall people, standing room only, thousands and thousands of people watching other people watch video games. And you and I think, that's crazy. But is it any crazier than thousands of people watching other people play sports? Yeah, I guess not. It's the same thing, just different, right? So for people who don't like sports, they're like, oh, why why do I want to watch 22 people beating the crap out of each other on a football field? Why do I want (laughs) to spend my day in a stadium doing that? And for the younger generation, they justify their passion the same way we justify our passion and the reasoning behind going to games and enjoying it as much as we do. And on that note, raise your hand if you had no idea that gamers and their fans shared so many things with athletes who participate in traditional sports and their fans. Uh, My hand is raised. I expect a lot of yours are raised, too. And keep it raised if you also had no idea of all the wonderful benefits of gaming that Bonnie mentioned. Those were the things that, that really blew me away. If you'd like to learn more, really encourage you to check out the documentary that she produced for ESPN. It's called Good Game, and we link to it in the description notes of today's podcast. In part two of our chat coming up on Monday, we'll move from esports to what the heck is going to happen with traditional college sports over the next 12 months. Can every school afford to give their spring sports seniors another year of eligibility? When will the fall sports get underway? And why is having a college football season so important? We'll address all of those topics and more on our next show. Don't forget, you can now listen to us through any of your Google devices. Just tell your assistant, play the update with Kate Scott Podcast. And as always, if you're enjoying the pod, wherever it is you listen to us, we'd love it if you could take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. You know, those little five-star reviews actually go a long way towards keeping us going here at the Athletic Podcast Network. For all of us here at The Update, I'm Kate Scott. Thanks, as always, for listening. It means so much to us. Stay healthy and safe this weekend. Bonnie's going to be with us again on Monday.